you're at uh i saw at your store you do stuff at cressy huh yes um i work for move strong physical therapy which cool. is literally right inside the gym oh, yeah awesome. we're we're on the floor basically with everyone yeah. sweating which is nice um it's i saw that your your thing is um based on like female athletes with acl injuries because uh, i mean because you you yourself are a pretty badass soccer player from what i read so you've spent some time you know as an athlete right yeah absolutely um you know i played soccer growing up played yeah. soccer in college and you know had a bunch of acls myself so nice. i've become extremely passionate about you know helping injured female athletes like i was once well i i have it you know when i was in like a i worked a little bit in a pt clinic but whenever i saw uh, the ACL injury, is it more prevalent in younger people for the most part? Cause it, you know, just from what I saw outside looking in, that was the majority of the people coming in were younger athletes. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd say that the, the danger zone is kind of like yeah. age 16 to 22. Um, just because that's when, you know, you're participating in, in high level sports after you, exit college you know you'll have the the professional athletes that experience acl tears but mm -hmm. by and large the, the the majority of them happen during you know high school and collegiate athletics yes yeah, yeah i guess it wouldn't make sense if uh, a middle-aged person fell down their stairs and went oh my god there goes my acl i feel you know, it there's it my acl <laughs> it happens uh, more than you think but yeah. um typically those you know, general population clients or, or, or young athletic adults um, don't require the rigorous rehab that somebody say, you know, wanting to get back to division one athletics needs to go through. Um, you know, we yeah. get a lot of people that, that are um, a little bit older going through ACL stuff. And once they're, they're happy and they've met their own goals of, you know, getting up and down the stairs and being able to play with their kids and all that good stuff, then we can discharge them. But it's a little bit of a longer process for um, the, the high level athlete. Well, I guess it makes sense. Cause you're, you're having to satisfy other people outside of just the athlete. You're, you're trying to get them ready for uh, coaches and you know, their team and everything. So I guess there's more pressure on that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I don't know if there's any pressure greater than just trying to decrease their risk of them doing it again. Um, yeah. You know, as somebody who has done it four times, it's, Jesus. Yeah, it, it's the last thing that I want to see any of my athletes have to go through again. Going yeah. through one ACL is hard enough, but, um, you know, the, the mental gymnastics of having to do it multiple times is enough to make you go crazy so by the fourth um, one were you just like really pissed off you're like i, I can't do this anymore like <laughs> what the yeah, hell <laughs> pissed off is, is one way of putting it i mean it just like it plays with your head a little bit like yeah. and especially as somebody who identified as an athlete my whole life like it, it was really the point where i was like well you know who else are you like what else do you bring to the table who else do you want to be because this clearly, you know, isn't, isn't worth the squeeze. So yeah, it was a, a hard time to say the least. Lots of anger and frustration and, and sadness. Do you think, um, just with like being such an elite soccer player, it's, 
it's very hard to accept an injury like that when you you maybe don't have something else that that you're interested in like is 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 the athletic identity so strong that it's really like a quite an arduous process to get past like knowing that you're out for the season and you got to rehab i'm sure it's like oh, brutal just mentally 100%. yeah 100 yeah, i mean it's one thing when um you get injured and you plan to go back to the game mm-hmm. and then it's an entirely different thing when you get injured and you kind of decide like yeah this is it i'm gonna hang up you know my cleats, hang up your cleats. yeah um, yeah so actually it's it's kind of funny because in grad school i wrote a thesis on athletic retirement and you know just some of the psychological challenges that come with the process Mm -hmm. and um you know all the research basically says that involuntary athletic retirements are the hardest just because they're unanticipated and um you know they're they're full of a lot of grief um you know lucky for me i I made it well lucky in a sense i mean I, i made it through my collegiate career or what I wanted to be my collegiate career. You know, Mm -hmm. I had six years of NCAA um, soccer under my belt. So I was done with my college soccer and and just kind of wanting to play rec soccer in um, a new city and try to meet some new people. And that's when ACL number four happened. But um, yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's a a battle of identity and, 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 you know, who are you after that kind of thing? Do you kind of have to like immerse yourself in other interests while you're pl- while you're in the middle of playing soccer just to like you know in case that happens you've got something to fall back on? Yeah, so that's actually called like divesting from your athletic identity yeah. and um you know prior to ACL like to one and two it's something that I I really hadn't done. I was very highly and um explicitly identified as an athlete and i really hadn't uh, explored a bunch of hobbies and and you know just developed other areas of my um personality sure um you know with acl three and four i was kind of forced to say all right well maybe (laughs) you should have things to follow back on if if this falls through and um you know, just for kicks, um, the, the, the company that basically I created for injured female ACL athletes, um, I created after my fourth ACL and that was basically my project to distract me or, or the project that I I dove into headfirst, um, during that process to, to kind of take my mind off of things in some weird way. And, and it, it has snowballed into something beautiful. So well, it would make sense that you would take an entrepreneurial route. I mean, there's nothing more demanding, so it probably took up your time like right away. You know, it was a easy, yeah. a better, a, a good transition. You know, going from you know, rehabbing these people from from being an athlete. So, I mean, that's that's smart. You know, good job. You did a good job with that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I'd like to think that uh, you know my my master's research and all that stuff kind of came in handy and I was like all right this is this is what I should do I should stay involved in sport in some regard and I should dive into something else completely head-on and uh yeah Yeah. it it, like you said it took up an absolute ton of time but um it's been a really cool way to kind of cope with the loss of being able to play soccer and and uh has opened the door to help a lot of people is it as much about maintaining the exercises you do 
in physical therapy, like as a patient, is it you really have to take all the things you do in physical therapy and you have to apply them to your daily life. You're like, you have to be consistent with the exercises, right? In order to get the most out of physical therapy. Yeah. Um, I mean, yes and no, right. Okay. I think that it's a huge learning opportunity. So I guess every ACL athlete that comes through, you know, I'm trying to educate them on, potential risk factors and then ways to mitigate their risk in the future. So it doesn't mean that somebody's going to do three sets of 10 clamshells every day for the rest of their life. It just means, you know, educating them that plyometrics are really important, that deceleration training is really important, that keeping your quads and your hamstrings is really important. And basically being able to keep those skills and, and bring them with you, you know, through various phases of life. So, um, yeah, you know, education is key there and just making sure that they understand it. it's not like, you know, you've got to do bridges every single day for the rest of your life, but you should probably do some sort of, of hip dominant movement, you know, sure. two or three times a week. Absolutely. I'd imagine you could run into the problem if you're dealing with like Gen Pop that you, they blame you for like not getting better as a physical therapist when they themselves aren't doing any 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 work by themselves at home you know i get you're right it's different with an athlete where they're like motivated and they've got they're working toward going getting back into the season and everything but i think that would be my my fear for you guys you know because people have talked about they're like well i'm not getting better it's like well how much how many exercises are you doing by yourself not much like okay well exactly and you know we are an out of network um, physical therapy provider. So our business model is typically to see patients um, one time a week. And if they, you know, want to come more times, then fantastic. And we're happy to see them. But um, our model does put a little bit more onus on the patient to do their work outside of the clinic. It's a cool Um, idea. Yeah. So it it does, it kind of puts it puts the pressure on them a little bit, um, but yeah. also make us accountable because we we try to progress them and, and you know, update their exercise program every single time they come in and, and, you know, make sure that they're making progress and they're not just doing, you know, oh, I've banged out all my straight leg raises this this month, but some for some reason, you know, I'm still not running. It's like, okay, well, you know, how transferable is a straight leg raise to running? Not very much. So that that's kind of on us. So it's a nice way to kind of share the responsibility, but we do run into non-compliant patients where sure. it's like, all right, you're not going to be better. And, um, this is probably why, um, you gotta be compliant with your homework. But the, the quality of your therapy is probably far beyond what most clinics offer just because you've got that pressure on you so that when they show up, they feel like what you're doing is entirely transferable. We like to think so. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've worked at a couple of jobs so far and, um, you know, I've been in the setting where you're treating multiple patients at one time and, um, you're trying to, to kind of problem solve for mm-hmm. somebody, you know, over in the corner and somebody's on the bike and somebody's on the table and you're yeah. kind of bouncing around and, <laughs> oh, and, sure. um, it's just, it's hard to, to be able to give your full attention to any one person. So, this setup is, is nice. It's, it's a little bit, um, more expensive, at least up front on the tail end, you probably end up saving some money, but, yeah. um, it's nice because all sessions are one-on-one and, and Laid like back. you said, 
we we hold ourselves accountable and if you're paying x number of dollars to come see us like yeah we're gonna get you better asap well that's pretty cool i i i think you to your credit you you found of uh, an interesting change in therapy because it's it's not something i often hear you know you've you've clearly laid out a new process that that really forces people to uh, put in their own motivation to continue towards better well-being you know so yeah yeah that's pretty dope yeah. I, I like it um you know just like as a as a person mm-hmm. um who has needed a lot of rehab in my life yeah i I guess I just kind of understand like, all right, if you're going to trust us and you're going to pay us top dollar to Mm -hmm. get you better, like, damn, we're going to get you better. And, um, you know, just, I I guess just being really conscientious that, um, healthcare is, it's a a need, it's a basic human need and, and, um, you know, it's not a commodity. So I just try to deliver, um, value every time I see someone. There's, uh, there's, there's this big push for like naturopathic stuff with like, like cupping and you know, the, the, whatever the decades old type of therapies. Do you guys apply that? Uh, or do you apply that to your athletes as well? Is that a big part of the process? Cause that's becoming bigger. It seems like it's becoming bigger. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just like a trend. Yeah. Um, and it's not a big part of the process by any means. Yeah. It is a part of the process in terms of, um, you know, we do offer cupping and we offer needling and we offer manual therapy and sure. X, Y, and Z. Um, you know, it's, it's a small part of the process for any ACL athlete, at sure. least, um, you know, occasionally you'll develop, you know, um, you know, muscular tightness or, or tendonitis or, or something like that, that we can quickly kind of nip in the bud with something that makes you feel good. And then, you know, something that you need to do to to make yourself feel good. So it's a very, very small part of the equation, but, um, like you said, it is getting popular and people do call and kind of ask like, Hey, do you guys dry needle? Yeah, we do. (laughs) Um, you know, but by and large, you're probably (laughs) going to have to do some exercise to get better. So they hang up the phone. Uh, They're like, I didn't call to work the hell exactly exactly. <laughs> make and me you know, feel better we explained it on visit one like you know we're not going to make you feel better you're going to make you feel better we'll yeah. give you the tools to make you feel better and uh you know we'll help you get there asap well the, yeah i'm i'm blown away with uh some of the other therapies are pretty like there's you know well th- this is stuff totally outside of like your realm it's like aromatherapy and uh, she, a lot of the, like you said, the trendy places that are popping up, you know, you've got a bunch of the sauna places, um, shoot, there's like what drop sauna or there's hot works, you know? So everything, there's a bunch of those trendy things hopping, uh, popping up right now. that kind of like this, this self therapy type of thing going on. Yeah. So. And you know, honestly, I don't, I don't try, I don't knock it. Yeah. If something makes you feel good and it's not entirely evidence-based. It's, there's a lot of marketing, you know, I'm, I'm sure yeah. there's nice colors and, and whatever. Yeah, and there's a lot of placebo and, you know, if, if one of my athletes comes in and it's like, Hey, I've been doing, you know, stretch, stretch therapy or cryotherapy or, you know, you name it. And yeah. I feel great and awesome. Cool. Keep doing it, doing what you're doing. And, uh, we'll keep getting you stronger and let's keep you in a good place. What's your opinion on stretch therapy? Like the myofascial stuff? 
Yeah, I think I think there's a, a time and a place for it, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's it's funny because I feel like um, like social media is such a polar world. Like you yep. get in there, and you get you get people who are saying like you know pain is um you know pain science and and the biopsychosocial model and and nothing is mechanical and you just yes. need to really get to know your patient and then you get the far end of the spectrum that's like you know your dorsiflexion is the reason that you have neck pain and um <laughs> x y and z and it's like you know there's there's value in everything i don't know why people can't see that um sure <laughs> You gotta be you gotta be transparent with your patients. You gotta have multiple tools in the toolbox. You gotta find what works for them, um, and then just go with it. Because something that works for one person is not gonna not gonna work for everyone. So, um, so it's really yeah. it's really up to you, or up to any therapist what they choose to maybe make their therapy different, or or they they have a lot to choose from. It seems like there's this big spectrum of like here you you've got this pool of techniques and you can apply them however you want, offer them however you want. Seems like it. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm oversimplifying, but physical therapy by and large is not hard. Um, there are, there are multiple keys that can unlock the same lock. Um, it's just a matter of finding the the right one and, 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 you know, one that works for your patient and Mm -hmm. rolling with it. And, um, I guess buying into like a treatment philosophy that resonates with you. Um, you know, I, I definitely dig like the biopsychosocial stuff, but um, I am pretty biomechanical in nature. I, I like the SFMA and, um, you know, functional movement systems. Um, you know, I've dabbled a little bit with PRI. Um, mm-hmm. So I think I, I fall probably a little bit closer onto to that side of the spectrum than I do of, um, you know, you don't need to strengthen to get better and, and just, you know, whatever X, Y, and Z, but yeah, find something that resonates with you. Try that approach. If it doesn't work, try something else. Yeah. Um, just always, you know, always keep working for your patient until something does work. Well, I, I appreciate the, the functional stuff. I mean, that's, that's like a bread and butter for, for anybody, you know, I mean, shoot, you, you, it's, uh, like from what I've heard, you know, if you're trying to get rid of back pain, then you, you do deadlifts, you know, you train, you train back, right? So it's all, it all comes down to functionality in the long run. I mean, that's, you're playing the long game if you're working on that. Absolutely. And and just like empowering your patients to, um, do more, like stop taking everything away from them and say, Hey, never do X, Y, and Z. And instead be like, no, you can do do A, B, and C, and eventually we'll get you back to doing X, Y, and Z. Um, I think that there are too many, um, you know, people who, or at least doctors, I feel like there are a lot of people that say, Hey, I went to the doctor and I told them that, um, you know, when I run, I have pain and, and he told me to just stop running. And it's like, yeah. well, that's not necessarily the answer. Um, it might be to, to kind of like decrease your, your mileage or your, your frequency right now, Run differently. Um, it might be to, you know, to strengthen certain areas and then we'll get you back to, to, to run marathons and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, it's definitely about empowering and educating and, and keeping people moving and not stopping them from moving. Yeah, no, I, I hear that. Cause I mean, it's it's sedentary people that have the problems. I mean, they've they've taken away exercise, so it's it it makes perfect sense in that regard. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sedentary and, and scared people. Yeah, and um, correct uh, me know, if I'm I, wrong, because I, I just sort of threw that statement out like, like, sedentary people have the most problems. Like, you can feel free to, you know, you're, uh, you're the doctor, yeah, I'm no, not. No, I, so. I I agree with you. I think inactivity is is a big, uh, you know, risk factor for injury. Yeah. But uh, I think probably a bigger risk factor, uh, risk factor excuse me. <laughs> factory. Is, uh, <laughs> that big is, risk factory, uh, yeah. Risk factory. Yeah, there you no, go. No, uh, you know, just ignorance and like a lack of education um, is True. probably even a, a bigger risk factor um, in terms of you know people just having been to some clinician that uses really um, you know detrimental language. Um, of, sure. Oh, you've got a huge spondylolisthesis in your back and you should never, you know, do X, Y, and Z again. It's like, well, yeah, you've got, you've got some sort of structural change in your back. Most people do. And yeah. um, it's okay to, to make sure that you're nice and strong and keep doing the things you love. I'll pretend I know what that was. What was that? Sp- something thesis sponder of the yeah. app. Whatever. It's like a stress fracture in your back. Okay, cool. You know, yeah cool yeah. now now yeah you threw like a 10 syllable word at me i'm like oh fuck like okay here we go so See, that's what i'm saying though like if you went to the doctor and they threw out a whole bunch of um you know pathology written language at you yeah. you'll leave thinking that you're broken <laughs> um, i've got this and, this this yeah yeah and instead it's like all right you know maybe your hips aren't moving very well and maybe your thoracic spine's a little bit stiff and now you're having some back pain so yeah. let's make you move bit better and maybe your back pain will go away so it's ditching the jargon and going to their level it's it's yeah yeah leveling out a little bit and and being real with them in the long run yeah exactly <laughs> just kind of meeting them where they are and uh empowering them to, yeah. to to get better you'll get people like me who are like oh yeah yeah totally i know what that is yeah for sure oh, you know <laughs> fake <laughs> it till get- you make it yeah, you know what though, in in CSP, um, we do get a lot of really like hyper aware athletes who mm. do come through and they're like, Oh man, like, you know, I have an anterior pelvic tilt yeah. and um, you know, my glutes are, are not active and I'm kyphotic and mm. X, Y, and Z, and you're just like <laughs> You're gonna you're gonna get into a competition of who can say the biggest word, and you're just gonna throw a bunch of like stuff at them and be like, "Oh yeah, okay, here we go." Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, that's awesome. Who, who's your? When you were playing soccer, did you have a soccer player that you looked up to, like going into the sport? Um. Or no, or nobody. (laughs) No, I definitely did. Um. I was a huge Cristiano Ronaldo fan growing up. Um, just kidding. No, you're good. I'm, I'm I know. Kidding. I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. I've since matured into a Lionel Messi fan, but yeah. um, you know, in my earlier days, I, I did watch a lot of English Premier League and and Manchester United. And um, let's see, the WPS was the or the WUSA was this the first women's league that I remember following as like a, a young kid and then sure. the WPS and then that fell apart. Um, yeah. Lots of, of influential women, you know, in those leagues. Mm-hmm. I like well, I, I'm, I'm more, fa- I'm fascinated with the whole, like, I, I don't know if it's still a big thing, but you know, I guess there was always the Ronaldo and Messi debate 
like what are they do they play different positions are they like just i don't know are they equally good like why is it where are they always kind of like put together as like the two best or it's kind of they're kind of in like a class of their own okay it's like messi and ronaldo and everyone else so like oh, wow. okay yeah you can kind of think of it as like I don't know if this is a bad thing, like LeBron or mm -hmm. like maybe now Giannis okay. and everyone else. Yeah. And um, yeah, they don't play the same position, but they're just both like that gifted, that gifted. Yeah. yeah. And like, you know, Neymar is kind of in the, the conversation, but by and large, it's those two that just like rip apart everyone else. Yeah. Well, you know, when you're, when you're uniquely gifted and talented, there's nobody can, nobody can fight against that. You know, that's like, that's, I guess, I guess that's what it was. Cause I just, it was funny, you know, you see their names around and me not knowing all that much about who's big in soccer, you know, I knew who they were, but I just, I was like, well, what's the hype? Like, what's the reason behind these guys getting all the attention and like, why are they so good? What's the deal with them? So that's, that's cool. Yeah, it's good to know. Have you ever seen um, Ronaldo play? I've I've seen like YouTube videos of him interacting with people, and like the, there was one where he uh, dressed up as like an old man and surprised yeah. a kid or something. You probably saw it, and he was I I saw, did, yeah. yeah. So I saw like his dribbling and everything. I'm like, this dude's like a freaking circus performer with the way he does this shit. Like it's it's unbelievable. So no, I haven't watched like a legit game with him. So I need to. Yeah, if you if you ever did you quickly realize like it's like wow it's it's, like, it's ronaldo and like everyone else like he's he's just a freak athlete like he's got a ridiculous uh vertical like Jeez. he's insanely fast like it's just like just wow like you're in a class of your own god that's nuts my god well yeah. thanks for informing me about that because yeah i wasn't i wasn't in on it well, that's cool. Are are you like as far? Are you watching the Olympics this uh, this year? You know, I have been kind of bad about it. Yeah. Um, I know the the U.S. women's played like at like four a.m. the other day, and I I didn't get up and watch. But um, do you, you think know, they the stand Euro, a chance? Do you think they're kind of? Do you think they uh they have a chance of winning? What's your thought um, on that? You know what? I'm gonna say yeah. Okay. Even though they they already lost their first game three to nothing, they were kind of <laughs> like spanked by Sweden. But yeah. um, never count the U.S. women out ever. Yeah. Like they are they're the best. So yeah, I, I definitely I wouldn't count them out. Well, we uh, I mean the 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 women's soccer team they they got gold like what last year too they got gold then and then the year before that i don't know i'm pretending <laughs> when did they, <laughs> they win gold i'm trying to think if they won the last world cup i, I believe that they did yeah. um and I'm, I'm sure that you know they got a medal at the last olympics sure, um, sure. yeah i mean the u.s women's soccer team is definitely considered mm -hmm. definitely i mean they they are the best in the world so yeah uh no, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I wanted to get your opinion on that because it's 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 like this this time around with the Olympics. I know they added a bunch of new sports, so it seems like, and you know, with everything last year and all that stuff, everything's changed, and you know, the whole format's probably different now. So from what I hear, so yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I can only imagine how their Olympic experiences with uh, 
everything that's just going on in the world and yeah, I know yeah. tokyo like you know they they took away spectators so like nobody is that's right they did everything like what a weird what just what a weird time to be an athlete well that's gotta that must set you back like dramatically right when all of a sudden a pandemic hits and then your your practice i can imagine must change entirely or do you just continue down the same road no it, it definitely changes um you know there was a huge spike in acl injuries in the nfl this year mm. and I, I i haven't seen the data um for the nba but um yeah just a huge huge increase in in injuries and it's because these athletes were off of the field or off of the court for mm. prolonged periods of time and you just can't you can't replicate the same stresses of sport in the weight room like sure. you can get you can get people really strong and and you know you can increase their power and and whatnot but you cannot replicate the demands of of their sport and that's what we're seeing with you know you know, all these injuries so yeah your training changes dramatically i mean it has to because mm -hmm. of all the you know the shelter in place orders and the yeah. stay at home orders. so yeah, it's been it's been a challenge for a lot of people. Yeah. For sure. No, definitely.